welcome to the Free Movement Podcast. I'm CJ McKinney. In this episode, we're talking about legal aid for immigration appeals. The government has been trying to change the system for how it pays lawyers to represent migrants at the Immigration Tribunal in England and Wales. This has proved acutely controversial, and there has been a bit of a running battle between lawyers and the government over this issue over the past few months. Things now seem to have settled down, so to take stock of what's been happening, where we've got to with legal aid, and possibly even what might happen in the future. I'm joined by Sonia Lenigan, Legal Director at the Immigration Law Practitioners Association, who is among the few people who seems to understand any of this legal aid stuff. Hi, Sonia. Hi, CJ. And apologies in advance for how horrendously complicated all of this is. I'll keep it as simple as I can. If in doubt, remember to always read the immigration specification. Absolutely. Good advice. And yeah, I mean, we will keep it simple and we'll like start from the very basics before we get into the sort of heavy duty policy stuff. Legal aids is government payments to lawyers to advise and represent people who couldn't otherwise afford afford a lawyer. But if you're a migrant and you're trying to challenge a home office decision on a visa or an asylum decision or whatever, can you normally get legal aid? Um, Asylum cases are in scope. Some non-asylum cases are still in scope. Uh, Immigration applications such as those based on family life or uh, EUSS applications, those are outside of the scope of legal aid. It is possible to get exceptional case funding for these cases um, that are out of scope usually. And this is something that's really, really important for people to remember, um, that it's an option because the grant rate for uh, exceptional case funding for immigration cases is over 80% at the moment. So if you apply for ECF, odds are it will be granted. And that just gives you the opportunity to bring a lot more uh, matters back in scope. First of many useful top tips, uh, exceptional case funding. (laughs) For the cases you, the types of cases you mentioned that are in scope and that do attract legal aid, then does that mean you just get a lawyer to help you with your the preparation of your application or do they uh, do you get legal aid for an appeal to the tribunal as well um you you can get legal aid for both stages um they're slightly different you have to it's a different legal aid application each time um so at the at the application stage so your asylum claim for example at the beginning of that the funding is called legal help And that covers all of the work up to the Home Office's decision. So um, preparation for the interview, witness statement, um, evidence gathering, legal representations, that's all covered under legal help. So all of that work can be funded under legal aid for your asylum application. And then afterwards, um, if your application is refused, then there is also legal aid funding available for the appeal stage. Yeah, and that's what we're focusing on here. It's changes to legal aid to fund the appeal specifically. And the context to this is that there's a new online appeal system. Can you tell me a bit about that? Uh, Well, the new online system, it aims to front load the preparation of the appeal. So... um, Before, with the old system, you'd lodge your appeal and then you'd wait for your hearing date. It could be one month, it could be 18 months. Uh, And then you would usually prepare for the appeal sort of closer to the appeal hearing date. Um, With the new system, it has a built-in review process whereby the Home Office must consider whether or not they want to maintain the decision to refuse. And that is done at an early stage. So what you need to do is you need to send in your evidence and your witness statements and an appellant skeleton argument at an early stage, and then the Home Office will 
look through that evidence and decide whether to withdraw the decision to refuse or whether to maintain it and therefore to continue to the appeal. So for a traditional legal aid appeal, you got a fixed fee of £227 if there was no hearing in the case or £567 if there was a hearing. But if the case required much more work, you could start to charge hourly rates, right? And this work gets a little bit complicated from this transition from fixed fees to hourly fees. I mean, really, it's even worse than that, because there are some types of cases that are paid at an hourly rate anyway, for example, unaccompanied asylum seeking children. Um, But yes, for those matters that are paid at a fixed fee, those are the asylum rates that you mentioned. Once the value of the work on the file is three times the fixed fee, then the work that you do is paid at hourly rates instead. And just to clarify, that is an extremely simplified version. You also will need to consider things like additional payments and the value of the legal help file. But I'm absolutely not going to go into that right now because we would be here all day. And so what happens if you if you do, say, twice as much work as the fixed fee, but not three times? Do you, do you not get your hourly rates then? Yeah, that's right. So for any work that you do between the fixed fee and what's called the escape claim fee threshold, which is once you hit hourly rates um, at around three times the fixed fee, then you're working for free between the fixed fee and the threshold. So the government decided it would have a new legal aid regime for this new online appeal system that you mentioned earlier. And what they did was increase the fixed fee for these online appeals from £567 to £627 which sounds like a good thing, it's 60 quid more, but it had the effect of pushing up the escape threshold for getting onto early rates, and that increased the risk to lawyers of ending up working for free on some cases. Yeah, a higher fixed fee means a higher threshold that you need to reach with the value of your work before you'll get paid at hourly rates. And it also means a bigger danger zone where you will likely be working for free if you don't hit the threshold to get to hourly rates. Okay, that that sounds bad. Um, What happened then? Um, So the MOJ didn't listen to ILPA, the Law Society and the Bar Council, and they laid um, the the change to the regulations, the, the, I can't remember what they were called, Civil Legal Aid Regulations 2020. Um, So then Duncan Lewis approached us about wanting to take legal action based on the lack of consultation that had taken place. So ILPA provided a witness statement detailing our concerns about the lack of an evidential basis for the new fixed fee, as it was completely unclear what they'd based the £627 on. Uh, The Law Society and the Bar Council also provided evidence in support of DL's JR. And, I mean, it was hard work, but I have to say it was really so good to have everyone working together so well. And I think it really made an impact in terms of the success that we were able to have and at an early stage. Yeah, absolutely. It's a lot of big hitting organizations involved there. And as you've uh, foreshadowed, you you were successful with that case. They uh, well, caved in. Duncan you? Lewis was successful. Uh, yeah, Duncan um, Lewis with your, with your help. Absolutely. <laughs> full credit to the, to the uh, litigators. Uh, yeah, the Lord Chancellor conceded at an early stage. I think it was just after the claim was lodged, maybe around AOS stage. Um, so that was really good news. And so... Having conceded that there was inadequate consultation and uh, whatever whatever else made its proposed re- its proposed 
regulations sort of null and void, they brought in replacement regulations, and these provide for hourly rates of legal aid instead of these fixed fees. Is that everything you dreamed of, hourly rates? Lawyers seem to prefer that to these sort of all-in, one-off fees? Um, Hourly rates generally are better. Uh, The LAA, in their wisdom, decided to keep the fixed fee of £302 for the hearing rather than also put that work onto hourly rates. This makes it even more complicated than it was previously, which is obviously far from ideal. Uh, It also means that it's not possible for that work to ever be paid at hourly rates as there is no escape claim fee threshold because the the rest of the work has been paid at hourly rates instead of a fixed fee. Um, But it's really unclear how many cases this is actually going to affect. Uh, I sent out a call for evidence on behalf of the Bar Council asking for examples of cases that may be affected, but no one responded. So it may just be that it's not going to affect that many cases. Uh, So yeah, hopefully. The LAA, they also said in response to a query from the Law Society that the £302 hearing fee includes advocacy and travelling and waiting time, but anything else will be remunerated by hourly rates. So that seems to mean that any other preparation and attendance surrounding the hearing should be paid at hourly rates. And so that should be an improvement for most cases. Okay, so I mean, it does sound like uh, certainly an improvement over the uh, original proposal. Um, yeah, it definitely should be. Okay, and is this is this the system we we have now for these online appeals? Is is the fight over now that these new regulations are in place? The fight is never over, CJ. <laughs> um, this is just a temporary arrangement, uh, which the the previous. New, new fixed fee was also meant to be a temporary arrangement. Uh, a full consultation will be taking place, hopefully soon. Uh, so, and then that will be with a view to then putting in a new fee for the appeal. So we just we just need to see what they come up with next. Okay, so this is just a stopgap pending this consultation. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I see. And so, when they propose the long term solution, if you like. Um, what would you like to see in that? I mean, basically, this hourly rate system that's been in place with a few tweaks, or would you be looking for something completely different? For me, the starting point is I really want to see the evidence about what additional work is required under the new system. Um, So I think the most important thing for providers to be doing at the moment is to ensure all the work that they're doing is being recorded properly as the Ministry of Justice are likely to use that data to inform any decisions that are made in future. Um, so I think we need we need more evidence, basically, which is what I've been saying from the beginning. And that's, that's what we need to begin with. The other issue, I mean, because there's, there's a tension between London and non-London as well, because if you're outside of London, you get a lower hourly rate, but the same fixed fee. So you can see what I mean when I'm saying it's it's not as straightforward as that. Um, so yeah, it's going to be just really, really important that when the consultation does come, that everyone gets stuck in and makes themselves heard. Taking a, I suppose, a step back from this particular issue of the legal aid for online appeals, how are things in legally aided immigration work generally? Because I know there was considerable cuts back in 2012 it must have been with LASPO um a lot of lawyers I meet say that times are pretty hard if you're a legal aid immigration lawyer 
Yeah, it's completely dire. Um, I've been qualified for almost 10 years. It's my law birthday in just under a month. Uh, Happy law birthday. (laughs) And yeah, during that time, fees have been cut by 10% from already a pretty low base point. And there's never been an increase. Uh, So many people have left the sector that recruitment is extremely difficult, particularly at supervisor level. I just I find it heartbreaking because legal aid is so important and access to justice is really something that this country should take pride in. And instead, we're just seeing it being decimated and destroyed. And so given how horrible the legal aid system seems to be, what kind of changes would you or ILPA like to see to the overall system? Uh, Well, there absolutely needs to be investment into the sector. I sound a bit like a broken record at the moment, but early access to legal advice really is key. Uh, It can help the Home Office to make better decisions the first time around where there is a good lawyer available to help guide people through the system. My controversial opinion is always that the Home Office should actually be among the biggest cheerleaders for legal aid. It also obviously helps the tribunal at appeal stage where there are lawyers involved rather than there being litigants in person. Um, And yeah, another change I would like to see that I've kind of alluded to earlier is just it is horrendously complicated at the moment, the way immigration legal aid works. So I think it would be super useful if the legal aid agency would try to sort that out as well. Absolutely. It seems like there's a lot of uh, admin involved in in just processing the payments. And just to pick up your initial point, it sounds like there's a bit of a false economy going on, I guess, that if you withhold legal advice, legal help for people early on, they get into these horrible tangled messes that then take a lot more work to unpick at appeal or in representation to the Home Office. Is that is that kind of what you're alluding to? Yeah, absolutely. If a case is mishandled at the beginning um, or a person isn't able to put their case forward properly, then that absolutely has implications further down the line. Um, For example, assembling a a successful fresh claim is extremely difficult and that takes a lot of resource. Um, So again, that is where work and cost have been pushed back to later on in the system. And then also the Home Secretary's favourite bugbear is last-minute removals. And again, if people are given early access to legal advice, which generally will be legal aid, then it means that all of those issues can be properly ventilated and the case properly considered at an early stage and not just once they're in a removal centre with a flight booked. Yeah, this is the tabloids have been attacking activist lawyers and so on for getting people pulled off deportation flights, removal flights at the last minute. You're saying that that could be solved by getting their uh, case seen to early on. Yes, the Daily Mail should actually be saying, why isn't there more legal aid so that these people are are processed properly at the beginning when they arrive? Just before we conclude this podcast, we've, as we've mentioned, you are from ILPA, which is a fantastic organisation doing splendid work on behalf of its members and anyone who is not an ILPA member should certainly join. Just like... What else are you up to at the moment? Are there any shiny new initiatives you have or massive disasters you are trying to avert? Um, Well, yes. I mean, as far as massive disasters are concerned, uh, I've been doing 
a lot of work around the channel crossing stuff at the moment, trying to coordinate different groups to make sure we're all pulling in the same direction, uh, trying to ensure that people are able to access legal advice as soon as they can. Um, obviously, we'll have the legal aid consultation coming out soon. Uh, and yeah, just a reminder to everyone that we have working groups that cover a range of different areas, such as economic migration, European, family and personal, refugee, removals. Um, we've moved on to Zoom, obviously, since the pandemic, and attendance has absolutely skyrocketed, which is great. Um, we've really been proud of how involved members outside of London have have been, which is really good as well. Um, oh, I'm also going to beat my other drum, which is I keep promoting our cost chaining on the 25th of November. And I think this is something that is especially important for legal aid lawyers. Um, as I've mentioned earlier on, the, the pay rates are extremely low. I don't I still don't know if enough people are aware that it is possible to recover costs from the Home Office in the tribunal at inter-parties rates, which is dramatically higher than legal aid rates. So it is really important that people are doing this wherever possible. I did see in your um, secret HOPO article that they said the Home Office was concerned about the amount of money that they're paying out uh, um, for costs in the tribunal, which is really good news to me. I loved seeing that. It's something everyone should be pushing more. Um, and just generally... I don't think there has ever been a more important time for the sector to be completely united. We've seen what we can achieve with relation to these legal aid changes. And so if you aren't already an ILPA member, then I really do recommend that you join. And if you are a member, then get involved, come to a meeting. Dates are all on our website and they're good fun generally. Thank you very much, uh, Sonia Lennigan from the Immigration Law Practitioners Association, ILPA. This has been a podcast from Free Movement, a website publishing updates, commentary, training and advice on immigration and asylum law. www.freemovement.org.uk is the website. Lots of the stuff on there is free, but some is restricted to members, so do consider becoming a member if you are not one already. Until next time, goodbye.